With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I got some to soul on my true collectible. Number one, desirable. I do what I want when I want and how I want it. Leave you with the one in the air. I got social soul on my true collectible. Famous, social famous, number one, desirable. I do what I want when I want and how I want it. Leave you with the one in the air. I got teachers, so I don't care about no gold. Better, so much better, flipping the credit card. Always on the street, so they know that I still got it. And I never feel sorry, yeah, top of the world. Hey guys, I'm Sky. Welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of our originally created series, My Story. We've just launched the third series of this uh, this show, and as an extra bonus to go alongside that series, we're doing a special My Story Extra live on Mondays, where it's possible, uh, where possible, should I say. Uh, we're going to be featuring the previous week's guest to allow you guys to give a bit of feedback, ask questions, interact with the guest following their episode the week before. Um, just a bit of housekeeping as uh, we wait for the, the late comers. Ace Podcast Nation, of course, uh, you're home to many great shows and series, top guests, expert analysts and more. Um, and if you're not familiar with the, the My Story series, it's a, you know, a unique series that we do. We take our guests through their life, their career, from their upbringing all the way to present day. They share stories, they share anecdotes along the way. Um, across the two series we've had so far, we've had actors, footballers, broadcasters, Authors, filmmakers, podcasters, fighters, and more. Series three, no different. The tagline is simple. Real conversations with real people 
their story and their words. And uh, yeah, you can find that exclusively on youtube.com slash nation. Please do subscribe, click the bell and uh, the audio version as usual at the Sports Social Podcast Network. And uh, finally, quick update on the Super Six Prediction League that we're taking part in, raising money for two great charities, Maggie Centre and the Mind Mental Health Charity. Uh, Gemma Pengeli topped the round with 14. Uh, her daughter must have picked those scores, I think. Rye had a superb week, came second. But most importantly, I finally had a, a decent round. I came third with a massive 11 points. Uh, Reese Earson is back on top for the season. Lisa Tustin is the new entrant in the payout, play, payout places, although she won the Euro Super 6 over the summer. So she is definitely one to watch out. And as I said, most importantly, I'm now 22 points ahead of Rodri, which is uh, all that counts. But uh, let's get to it. My guest this evening featured in the two-part premiere last week of uh, my story. The feedback's been fantastic. And I am delighted to welcome back, welcome back, should I say, the host of the Central Club podcast, Mr. Cullen Mace, to join me this evening. How are you, bro? Good evening, Simon. I'm okay. <laughs> How are good you? Man. Yeah, good, mate. Good, mate. It's... Um, so it's something a bit different this evening. I'm really done one of these these lives. I do live show every Monday, but um, thought I'd give it a try because I I know like a lot of our viewers have been asking for all the shows that I do to be live. They prefer them live to recorded. I know that, but I feel like with this my story series, I want people to pour out their story, good and bad, tell everything. And what I'm aware of sometimes is if you do that live. People can be not careful what they're saying, but yeah, they, because they might be, they might drop something in, they might drop a name that they don't want to kind of talk about or name that person, and then it, it becomes a bit awkward. They can close up a bit. Whereas by recording them, you can like, let people just go, and then if they want to take like a name out or something out, you can take it out, and it's not yeah. an issue. But I wanted to give the viewers the opportunity to also ask you some questions, you know, interact with you a bit, and talk about your episode. But, I mean, how did you find, like, doing three hours about... Because you obviously have done a load of podcasts yourself with various people, but it is different when you're talking about you. I know you've done it before, but, like, if we, we talked, I think it was about three hours in total on a, of uh, just yeah. poof. Yeah. Um, and and to, <clears throat> to be honest, to be all about my story, like, going linear, it was quite... Yeah, it was, it was intense, like, because... Like you said, I've done other podcasts about like you know people interviewing me, but it haven't really been like just total life. It's probably what I'm doing now, or you know um, what I think on a certain topic. So to actually go through my life story, you know, it was quite. Uh, do you know what? <clears throat> actually, I actually enjoyed it, like thoroughly enjoyed it, and I felt like after the episode, after the first one we done. Um, I felt kind of, kind of like uh, like split between feeling good and feeling quite like drained and a bit anxious. But like after the second one, and I you know looked back at him, it was just like a massive relief and release. You know, I, I just felt so good about it. Like, and I thought like I'd done the right thing. Uh, like it's... I said, I've done some of this before, but like an hour and an hour and twenty max. So to get like a part one, the two live story was pretty. Intense, like, intense. Um, yeah, because I think when you do like an hour, you know, most podcasts, you know, they're about an hour, maybe an hour, 15 to an hour and a half, maybe it 
even if you're trying to fit in like your whole life, especially if you've had like you got a story like yours, you're gonna miss out bits, you're gonna not go into bits in detail and stuff like that. And I think it's it is intense. And I think it towards the end of part one, I think it was, like you got a bit emotional because there was stuff that you were talking about which you hadn't necessarily gone into a massive yeah. amount of detail with before and stuff. So it was uh it was interesting, mate. Like well, I try to be I try to be open and honest every time I <clears throat> I go on a podcast, but I think I know, I'm gonna be honest here now. This is me being honest, yeah. So obviously when I got clean and I thought, you know, I've always had a big opinion on like you know, like Big Brother, like re- reality TV or anyone in 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 show business or being you know, when you're out there, I've always thought you've got to be careful what you've done in your life because it will come back to bite you on the ass. So yeah. when I decided to do a podcast, bearing in mind my life weren't really the normal life, you know, I kind of, you know, the amount of people I've heard, upset, the things I've done, I had to really have a think about, like, you know, are you ready to do this call? Are you ready for the backlash you might get off people, you know, slating on you and whatever? So I, I, I was, I'd say I'm an open book, yeah, and I'd say that I got everything out there, but there were certain things... Not, not um, you know, certain things you know you're gonna get bit on your ass. But there's some things you think I might not have to mention that. I might get away with that, or you know, I don't. They don't need to know that. If they find yes. out, you can explain. But they don't need to know that. And that they were like the things I explained on your story, which I thought people don't need to know that. The people who know know the score. But you know what? It just came out of me. It just came out of me. It's 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 it's, it's fascinating, mate, because. I would say when I did um, experience real with Joe, like I talked about some stuff on that, like which I had not, I hadn't talked about on podcasts, not because I was trying to particularly like hide it. Anybody who knows me knows a lot of it, but there was stuff particularly about some of the stuff which I had done that I hadn't put out there simply because I know my kids watch it. So I wanted to be able to speak to them about it before, you know, they see me talking about it on the internet and stuff like that. But no. it ended up being quite therapeutic and it was good. And like I gotta say, mate, even tonight, like some of the comments like regarding the episode regarding you, uh pretty superb, mate. Like you got one there, Rob Boyle, got a lot of time for curling, top bloke. Um yeah, cheers, Rob. Guys there says that two part of my story was insane. Better emotional, bro. Uh great work, site, underrated series you've been building there. Mate, it's underrated Riz- as fuck. Like, I'm not just saying it because I'm on there, but like, you know, when you look back at the guests you've had from this is the thing which winds me up about podcasting, uh, Simon. I think we can get into it anyway because yeah, I'm podcasting myself and I'm now like, but someone messaged me and it's nothing against my last episode. You could, you messaged me this morning and said, well done about, so we had 500 people in the chat at its peak. It's on like 3K views. Now, Paul's a lovely fella, but people have messaged me and, and they've been like, how can you have the likes of Liam Williams Earnshaw, Cordina, Mark, how can you have these people who are scraping these amount of views and this guy is just like, like, it's like people don't have the recognition of some of the quality guests you get and you have had equal amount of quality guests, if not better. Insane, mate. What did I say to you? Like, when we were getting up, when we were sort of building up to to, to record the show and we were chatting back and forth and I said, when, like, me and Andy used to do a show on a Monday... We'd had like Emil Heskey, or we'd had like Clark Carlisle, and um, like Graham Jones, who was you know coaching England in the Euros, just gone, um, and all these mad guests like Gabardard and Shaw, um, you know, and they all did all right. Some of them did better than mm-hmm. others, but then 
we'd had like a couple of other footballers, like non-league footballers who I wasn't really familiar with, they, like Andy Newham and stuff. They've done loads of views, loads of people in the chat, and it, you just can't predict it. Um, and like, yeah, it's, it's, it is frustrating. I think like a lot of the time with me, I put it down to because I do my podcasts via like uh, remote stuff. I always yeah. think, oh, people, people don't, you know, they they kind of prefer it to see it in a, like a studio and looking professional, like what you. I, I disagree. See, I dis I disagree. Like, I I, I think, you know, it's I, just, I disagree with that. Luck, Joe Rogan it? started this way, you know. Yeah, yeah. I it's don't just, know, mate. It's, it's crazy though. It's crazy, isn't it? Like, I don't know because like I've had people say to me, yeah, yeah like when I said about Earnshaw, and I was. I'd done a silly, I, I made a silly mistake I did because I'm still new and I was frustrating and I put a story up on Instagram and I was like, if this was this, if this was on James English, this would have hit like X amount of views and he went, that's a schoolboy out of there. Don't show people like that. You should be happy with what you've done with it and be proud of it. And it's true, you know? Um, and other people would say like, you know, and I think maybe this is it. To us, Earnshaw, Gabadon, these people are heroes. We grew up with these people. But this yeah. is like 10 years ago. People now, the times change so much. And the other thing I put with it as well is people's attention span. Like, I'm so glad that you are there doing these my stories, which are an hour and a half, three-hour part twos and stuff. But in the day of TikTok, people don't want to see it sometimes. Yeah. I'm just glad that these people like you, myself, Joe, who are willing to still put out them hour and a half, two hour, you know, content. To me, shoots. mate, the, those long, those um, those long form conversations. That's when you get the real, the real person. Like, and that's what I said from the start was I did. A, I I wanted to have conversations with people and get to know people, and you see the real person then. And like, I don't want like, for instance, when we we're having like footballers on each week, I don't want to hear the same answers that they give to match of a day and to talk sport like I yeah. said, if I wanted that I could just listen to them I yeah. want just I want to speak to the real person and hear the stories from behind the scenes and oh yeah hear when, the story you know, yeah. you know how they got there you know and yeah end of percent who was a young so-and-so and yeah yeah it's, it's mad mate but like people really said seem to have taken to you mate they seem to have enjoyed just uh, your story and I'll do loads of comments on the various stuff um there's one which really stood out for me and I can't find it now. I'll find it now. Um but like no, just another no. example like Will there said um two cracking shows had me glued to the screen. And I mean and I think that goes a lot to you mate. Obviously like you've got an interesting story you've been through a lot but like also it's I think it takes a lot to hold someone's attention for that long. Um and I had a, a lot of people saying like once I started it I couldn't stop watching it because it was like you wanted to know Fucking hell, where's his life going next? Yeah. Like, and I know, like, some of it's quite painful for you, but like for people watching, because they can see now that you've sort of turned the corner and you, you know, you've gone the pos more positive route. I think people, you've got an interesting story, mate. Unfortunately, you know, some of it is is not like the best memories and stuff for you. But do you know what I mean? Like, in ten years' time, when you're one of the biggest podcasters in the UK and the if not the world, and whatever you know you take the central club to massive heights you'll look back on all the the bad stuff because it's all part of you mate yeah that's what yeah. i always say to my kids is like yeah you know i got some bad stuff which i did when i was younger and i i made mistakes i will make a load of mistakes now i still make mistakes but you just gotta it's part of you mate mistakes are what make you grow as a person and i think um 
it's kind of it's one of them, mate, isn't it? It's like it's emotional and it's painful sometimes, especially when and like that's what I was going to ask you about. So sometimes I can talk about certain things which have happened to me, and I'll be fine. I can just talk about it and talk about it and talk about it, and then sometimes I can talk about it, and it'll just get caught in my throat, and it makes me much more emotional than. Do you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. It could be anything, can it? Could what do you mean? What do you mean? If you you could talk about it yourself, but if you yeah. talk to someone else about this, it could. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. So say like, like I talk to my missus, for instance, about all sorts all time. Like I talk about stuff which gets to me and that's happened to me. And then I found that when I talk about it on year, if I'm talking to a guest or myself or you know just a single man show or when I went up to Joe, I can get like a bit emotional and stuff. Don't know if it's the pressure. Or like because you're speaking to someone else and you're telling them like what's happened. It's, ah. it's a weird one, mate. I don't know. <laughs> you still there? Right, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, mate. If you can Sorry, um, mate, I don't know what happened then. Sometimes it goes a bit funny, like if you um if someone gives you a if someone tries to phone you or, or something like that, like you go a bit weird. Yeah. But um, I just had a message one. Um, yeah, Sorry, it's, it's, it's just, it's just hard. Sometimes I think sometimes you can get like a bit emotional when you're remembering stuff, and, and you when you're talking about like your story, you naturally kind of you're talking about something, and then you'll think of something else, and you'll kind of go on a sidetrack to something else and another memory, and before you know it, like you said, like you you've opened up and talked about stuff which maybe you weren't planning on talking about, but yeah, that's what makes it natural though as well, mate, and I think that's why people take to you. Because you're real, you're not like putting on a like a fake thing. Well, that's I think that's the other thing as well about when you say with um with the podcast and with going live and doing it now, we were just zoned into each other. We were just it was like having a FaceTime with someone on a evening of one of your best mates, and you know you just open up and it was just that private. You know me, you. It weren't even like you know I think, and this is what's good as well. You know, like um with the podcast I do, okay, we don't do lives, it's all pre-recorded, but there's three of us, and then you've got a cameraman there, you've got a sound guy there, then you've got the engineer, the sound engineer's little helper there as well. So there's like six people in the room. So already with the lights and the cameras and the people, you're quite pressured. You're like, whoa, this is gonna be something big now. So when it's just me and you on a pre-recorded Zoom call, you feel more like it's it's okay to open up type of thing. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, you you could say people get caught off guard, maybe, and they'll you know open up, or it could just be they just feel comfortable, you know. So I think it's good. I think it's good. I, yeah, I try to make people like because I like I say I don't want it to be like this formal question and answer and and this weird. Thing. I see like, some people do that. Proper read off scripts and I. Yeah, I just want to like I've got a little thing which I say at the start and like a bit of housekeeping, you know, subscribe yeah. and all that sponsors, That's what whatever. I think but is the best thing. Just no the best thing. Structure it like a beginning, middle, and end, maybe. Yeah. But then what goes on in 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 that is a free for all type of yeah. Thing, you know? Jesus, I've had I've had shows where I've put in the title, we're going to talk about this, this, and this, and then I've got going, and then we haven't even got to half the subject. But it's yeah, kind of, I prefer it to be like that than really like scripted and all that sort of stuff but i don't know uh cade on youtube says um it's insane that you've come from uh heroin addiction my old mate turned to that and now he's in jail for murder and then 
like Gaz has said there, he said, I got a family member who has got a very similar story. He sadly um, hung himself after being let down by social services when he was trying to change his life. Uh, he said, big, big Cullen, bruv. Uh, not easy to do what you've done. Congrats. And I think... Yeah, thank you. Thank you for uh, both them comments. What did um, what did the Cade one say at the first one? Um, he said... He said it's insane. You've come back from uh, heroin addiction, and then he said his all his friends <clears throat> in a similar. Can situation. I just say on that as well, then? Can I just say on that as well? Um, part of the reason uh, there was like two or three reasons as well, apart from why I got clean. There was reasons when I got clean, I was like, "Wow, that was a lucky escape." And one of them was um, there's a boy. I'll say I, I won't say his full name, but it's, it's Pacmo. They call him Palmer from Barry. And um, basically, like, I won't say the murder because everyone knows it. it was in the news. It was very, you know, about a year or two ago, you know, a young lad got killed. And basically, that 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 murder really struck me of how much that could have been me involved in it. So, for example, what I'm trying to tell you is the amount of times when I was on heroin, right, I used to be like quite friendly with dealers who'd sell me drugs. Mm. Like, you know, normally with, with like heroin dealers and that, they, they don't associate with the uh, punters. But I don't know if it was just where I was quite acting quite normal or because I gave up loads of money, but they used to be quite friendly with me. But a lot of them, uh, have I, I've been asked it myself and I see them use a lot of other people that dealers will say, oh, listen, ring so-and-so up for me, ring this dealer up for me, meet him and we'll set him up and we'll rob him. And that's what like, um, you know, drug dealers do for mixed competition. They'll set other people up to get robbed and stuff, you know, and yeah. it's happened to me many times and I have actually set drug dealers up. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Luckily, it didn't turn out this way, but that's what I think Palmer was involved. I'm looking at from the out from, from the outside. I've, I've known Palmer for years through jail, through other things and that, and he was never a murderer. He was never that guy. He was a soft lad. He was just addicted to drugs. In and out mm. of prison because he had a drug addiction. Nothing ever serious. Always petty crime. And then he got caught up in this drug this drug deal. Drug meat turned into a killing. And he, he was one of them who got arrested. for. And now he's on a murder charge, basically. And I look back at them and I think when Cage just said then about how, you know, my friend's in now for murder because I had a win. It's, it's so easy to get caught up in that life. And so easy to do things willy-nilly which end up you know turning your life for the worst and that was one of the lucky escapes i looked back and thought wow the amount of times i've like set up a dealer or you know robbed it's someone and it could have went that wrong isn't it? and because of the when you've got like an addiction like that you have to um you have to be you have to associate in a certain kind of crowd of people so people who do certain things you've got no choice because you want to get the thing that you're addicted to and i think one of the things which struck me in the over the you know which has anyway when i've been speaking to you off a camera like but during the, the three-hour show and i think i said it in one of them or in both of them is that it did seem very much like you even throughout your addiction there was like a line for you of stuff you wouldn't do and you wouldn't just rob anyone to get money to to buy your drugs and things like that and i yeah. wonder whether those morals because we talked again as well about like those sliding doors moments and i felt like i had really kind of just missed out on going the wrong way on several occasions and when i look back with hindsight like and oh, i just yeah. wonder whether in the same way your kind of moral <clears throat> to not do certain things 
even though you were addicted to heroin and, and doing these things, you they kind of saved you from maybe, you know, ending up with a longer stint in prison and stuff like that. Um, just very quickly, mate, I want to ask you a question because Gaz um, just put something up there where he said about his family member who had uh, uh, hung himself and he said he was let down by social services when he was trying to get clean and change his life. Um, and I want, I think the one of the things which we didn't delve Body into... Yeah, massively, mate. It's um, it's just like it, it's, it's a common occurrence, and yeah, and it's something unfortunately which you you hear a lot of, and you know, I said I hate doing it, mate. I really do, and I think um, so. What I was going to ask you about is like one of the things we maybe didn't touch on so much in your two episodes was like your kind of lowest points, but not lowest points in like are you in prison or addicted or whatever it was more like was there any points where you were really close to like if i can't cope with this i'm done and you were going to end your life sort of thing was there any point there yeah there was there was there was plenty of them times to be honest um like i said a lot of them was when i got caught because i just you know i weren't sorry i was just sorry i was caught and it was like i can't do this no more but there was times where i really you know i'd have you know, I'd go out on a raise and I'd come back and, you know, this is what I live for. I live for taking drugs and there'd be moments where I would be doing the same thing over every night. I'd sell the stuff, I'd get the money and I'd score and there'd be times where I just wanted to literally just smoke all the shit or put it down the toilet and, and just fucking kill myself. There was many times, there was one time where my mum did actually, my mum caught me once, this is at early stages, and my ex-partner caught me twice, and I tried doing it both times the same way. I took a load of Xanax and heroin, I drank some alcohol, and I stuffed loads of tissue down my throat and just stayed there, and I was caught twice. The, the one time, it's on the system, every time I get locked up, the police try saying, are you going to kill yourself? Are you suicidal? And I'll be like, no, what are you on about? But because of this time where I got you know, rescued from it, um, they always bring it up, but I don't know why. I, I think I've seen it on like um, a fucking TV show. I think it was Bad Girls. Remember Bad Girls on fucking? Yeah, yeah. I seen a girl trying to fucking kill herself by stuffing tissue down her throat and just staying it. And that's I got caught. I got found twice. One time, funny enough, was in Morganstown in the old flat, yeah. and then the other time was with my mother, and I got caught. I think the first time with my mother was a bit of a cry for help, okay. um, but but the second time. Because what it was at that stage, remember I said like I put my addiction in two stages. So like the first stage, the first five years was the desperation, you know, not knowing how to make money, um, you know, hiding it from everyone. And and that's when I tried killing myself. In the second half, I was kind of comfortable with things. There'd be times where I'd think, fuck this shit, I don't want to do it anymore. Or when am I going to change? But the first five years of it was literally like, there was moments where I didn't know what to do. And when I was in that flat, like it was some bad memories in that flat in Morganstown. You know, I weren't driving. There was no one selling drugs around the area. I had a full-blown habit where like every 12, 12 hours, I'd start detoxing from heroin. So like I had to like keep this habit up every 12 hours. There's no buses around Morganstown. You have to walk to Tapswell or rather to get a train. I'd have to go to town where the drugs are and where the money is so there were some times where i'd wake up a lot of times really in the morning on a wednesday morning or a saturday morning in morganstown clucking my 
fucking box off, right? Fucking shitting myself, spewing, not wanting to get out of bed. But the longer I stay in bed, the worse it'll get. And it's like there was a lot of times when that happened. There was times where I'd be crying to my mum for many and begging them for many. There'd be times where I'd be trying to fucking pull out loans, trying to sell my missus fucking... I tried selling, right, my ex-girlfriend's fucking, like, Ann Summers gears and I don't know all that. I tried selling the one time a fucking vibrator. Believe that. Oh, Jesus Christ. Do you know what I mean, though? Yeah. Like, the things you do at, just and, and desperation. And all. Like... Desperation. Oh, Desperation, like you know, I don't think she used the vibrator. It was in a box, but still, do you know what I mean? Yeah. There was, there was many times I was at the lowest I've been is is that them type of times, begging, begging, pretending to be someone I fucking ain't, and taking off vulnerable people like girls and our students, blagging them for money and saying I pay them back and you know giving them the wrong number and every day was a low, a low, a low point in my life and. The highest I'd ever get, literally, would be smoking drugs. Mm. There was never a day where it was just like a normal day. I remember the one time when I was in Morganstown, uh, my mum and dad come to the house and said to my partner at the time, um, can you call him? Because she, she was outside. Can you call him? She came in. She went, your mum and dad's outside. I went down there. We're taking you to uh, Spain. You're coming to uh, Tolomarinos with us. No. Uh, Santa Susana by Loretta Mar. We're going to Santa Susana. You're coming with us to do a detox. I said, you are? She went, you're coming with us. Hot sun, you're coming with us. I went to I went to Santa Susana with no drugs, nothing. Done my detox. I stayed in the swimming pool the whole fucking holiday. Never drunk. I drank once. I was fucking ill as fuck. They think I've done my detox now. I've been there seven days. On the seventh day when we're going, I'm still fucking feeling rough, but I'm coming out the other edge. We get straight on the plane. He goes back to fucking Cardiff. I go straight to Morgantown. Morgantown and scores drugs again. It's like, what? Like, I, there was just ne like there was times when I just never ever wanted to change. And so the vicious, um, vicious circle, mate, isn't it? As well, like it's difficult to break that cycle because your body is not just the mental side of it. And obviously, the lower you feel, the kind of more you want to get out of it to get away. The from lower that. you feel, the lower you feel. How can I word this? The lower you feel, um, the higher you feel when it's low. Does that make sense? So if you're really, really low, you just having a little smoke of heroin is like the highlight of your fucking month. And it's like, yeah, yeah. you don't ever have a normal... Just a normal you know, day. Like Everyone says everyone's success is different. Everyone's, you know, rich in someone's mind to you is different to me. But my success or my good day my good weekend out was smoking heroin and crack like it would be a good day for me like i had to have my heroin every day i had to have my bag yeah sometimes you know i was a gannet to, like the last i'm talking in like the first five years now the last mm. five years i wouldn't go a day without like i wouldn't go to bed unless i had a, a 20 bag of heroin behind my foreskin to wake up to in the morning i made sure i had a bag every morning regardless yeah but no. at the beginning like i've been i'd be scrimping for that bag of days i need that bag mm. and that would last me all day i'd wake up clucking it was only the second half but i made sure i learned the lesson to make sure you got something in the morning because i'd always make you know at the beginning i was always smoking the gear in the morning waking up clucking so the highlight 
for me or my going out was having two, three bags of heroin, a couple of stones of crack and, and a couple of tinnies. That was my going out. When everyone else is going out clubbing, that's my yeah, going yeah. out, having a couple of stones of crack. Like, it's fucking no, mad, like. No, for me. Um, Reese says, um, does it get easier being clean the longer it goes on? Or do you still, uh, he said, I don't think crave is the word, but you still get the itch. Um, you, you always get that monkey on your back, I think. Um, I, to be honest, I've kind of forgot the, I never thought I would, but I forgot the taste of it. Now, this could be an itch because the other day I was trying to think, what does it taste like? So yeah. is that me wishing I could take it again? I don't know. But this is the first time touch wood that I have handled it. This is the longest time, you know, this is, you know, the longest I ever done before was like four months. And that was because I was in jail. So it's definitely got easier over time. hundred percent. Um, I just think, I think the, the key for mine was being keeping busy, but I do definitely need to know that, you know, it could, it could crash and burn at any moment. Uh, it's like my uncle, um, my my father, my great uncle, my father's uncle. He was an alcoholic, and after um, like 19 years of him being sober, his mother, my great grand, you know, we were at a wedding party, and she was taking his cup off him and smelling his orange juice, and he was like, "What are you doing?" She was just like, "Oh, just checking," because you're always gonna, you know, you're you're always. I'm an addict for life. Like people say, yeah. you shouldn't say that, but I am. Like I can't take heroin. And you know, I can't take opiates. Yeah, this is. I think, um, and sometimes I think people who haven't been addicted to something, they can sometimes think that once you get clean or you stop doing it, you um. You, so, like for instance, Richie here in the chat said, "I'm 24 years clean after drug addiction." But like, I'm sure I don't know whether Richie will agree, and he'll tell me now. But Richie, even after 24 years, I'm sure you still count yourself as an addict. Um like same as I do same as you do like it's in your personality and there's you've got to watch yourself no matter how long it is um and I know maybe for people who haven't been through it it's difficult to understand but it's just you've got to find ways of dealing with it um mine is podcasting smoking and coffee it's just mine's uh, podcasting trust me it's mad, isn't it? my new talking. addiction isn't it it's talking. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. Meeting um, new people. Who's the next guest going to be? You know, when that's right, mate. That's my favorite thing is talking to different people and hearing their story. And like, um, Gaz has just put in while we've been talking there. He's um, he's put in two really interesting questions, which I'm going to go back to there. Uh, <laughs> Richie just said he does doesn't even enter his mind anymore, and he wouldn't want to go down that road again. And I think, look, mate, twenty four years clean is beautiful i love to see that I listen i'm a year clean and i i forgot about it like read it i'll be honest so 24 years he's a different person you know take my hat off to you mate it's uh, it's brutal mate right so gaz asked um he has two questions but i'm gonna put the one to you first he says uh do you ever worry that someone that you blagged will come sort of find you now especially as you're doing the podcast thing and you're in the you're a bit more you're out there and you um you look, look, I think if anyone come to me now, like, I know in my heart hearts that I never blagged anyone really bad. Like, I didn't like, I've never hurt anyone. The worst I've done was like, say I was a student, I managed to get a hundred quid off them. That's yeah. the worst I've done when I was blagging people. 
Um, if anyone it was never back, life like changing someone's life or taking their savings or no, you know, no, 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 them no. whatever. So I think, yeah. So I think, yeah, like I think if they come round, I'd offer them a hundred quid back and maybe another hundred on top and just say, look, I'm a different person now. I'm clean. I'm sorry, and that's how it is. And you know, I've tried to be open and honest about everything I've done, everything. And you know that, Simon. I've said it on the other podcast when I got arrested for that girl's charge and like. You know, people keep would keep that away. They don't have to say that, but I, I, you know, it came out, and yeah. that is the, you know, the worst type of things I've done. There have been moments where I've thought, especially when I was on drugs, and when I got clean at the beginning, the first month or two, and when I, it's happened three times. So, when I was on drugs, uh, when I first got clean, and then when I went on Wales online, those three times were the the biggest anxieties for me. I genuinely thought in my head that everyone I've heard will go into some community centre for a meeting to, like, take me down. <laughs> but then you've got to think, you're not that important. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, fucking uh, get you do, mate. You, 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 you feel like that, don't you? And I think it's kind of one of those things. I think if I smoked it. a spliff, I'd probably think everyone was going to get me. Yeah, But mate. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the... That, that's a, that, that's the way uh, to send me to have a nervous breakdown these days, mate. And like I've, op- <laughs> yeah, I've, op- I've, said, I've openly said, don't smoke like, weed. <laughs> uh, mate, um, about probably three years ago, maybe yeah, about three years ago, I was in so much pain, and I kept seeing everyone say like about the CBD oils and stuff like that, and I was like, oh, do you know what? I used to smoke a lot of weed. My head's much more sorted now. I'm gonna, I'll smoke, and that'll help with the pain. Fucking. One half a yeah, joint, but one joint. Don't do that, do no, 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 I don't. No, but like I smoked so weed first, smoked like half a joint or whatever, three quarters of a joint, and it was exactly the same feelings of paranoia. And Ben never went away, yeah. I wasn't with like a load of mates, I'm with my like watching You're TV in the right my missus. Yeah. The I was with the one person in the world who I trust, yeah, it's not for you, then, is it? So it's I was like. <laughs> this um so i use cbd oil now and like that that helps but doesn't do the trick i gotta say um no. but which takes me on to gaz's other question he said um and he's referring to the my story episode where we talked about me where so i take um strong uh opioid painkillers on a daily basis to deal with my injuries and my health and my pain all prescribed by the doctor i've never once gone over the prescription or abuse them in any way but because i've been taking them since 2008 every day my body is addicted to it so if i i I miss a dose or i'm late having a dose i get the same symptoms that you would have if you would you know if i'd been buying them off someone and become addicted to and gaz's question was basically he said it's uh he said it's mad how your body is addicted to the opioids without abusing them how is that even possible? And I guess I'm thinking, guys, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm thinking you're saying, how can it be possible that someone who's never not abused them is addicted to them? But it's because they're so strong. Yeah. Your body gets used to it. And that's why um, when they prescribed them to me, they were like, look, we kind of have to because you're in so much pain that you can't even get out of bed. But normally these are for like people who've got like terminal cancer things like that yeah like really but i couldn't go to bed mate i was in so much pain i like and it's it's difficult for me to explain and to talk about because 
like I said, I've never gone over my dose, never abused them. But I, but I also know that if I ever want to stop them, I'm probably going to have to go through a big thing to do it. And the other we were talking, is, weren't we? We were talking as well, Simon, about like, imagine if like something happened in the world where you know, touch wood, like something really bad happened, a lockdown, or you know, the world like went into anarchy. Like, how are people supposed to get their medication? Pharmacy shut down. They don't give a fuck about us. No, they don't. You know, we're fucked straight away. Like, you know, and it's like to to answer the gas as well. This is why there's a heroin app. Uh, this is why there's an opioid crisis in America worldwide. Because they it? just they're prescribing them these, these these this medication which is so strong. Now, if you look at what like uh, most people who suffer with anxiety or ADHD or OCD, these are. Uh, these things that um diagnosed with they'll give them the likes of sertraline citalopram fluoxetine you can detox yeah. off them you can have withdrawal symptoms off these yeah well even like adhd tablet. medication is basically amphetamines mate yeah it's ritalin like, and stuff you know yeah and like if you've detox got been taking that for years and years and years and then you just go whoomph you're not not having that no more for whatever reason that's why you have to like you're supposed to whittle it down in you and sort of go bit by bit but like my problem is i'm in this weird thing like you know look mate if i could choose I would it's not self-inflicted is it yeah, yeah i'd rather not take them but i also know if i don't take the painkillers the amount of pain that i'm in from the neck to my toes is i can't get out of bed i can't move i can't wash myself i can't feed myself i don't want to go back to that where my no. missus has got to wash me and, and feed me and like at the moment, I'm able to function and do stuff, and I can even do a podcast from my house. Uh, but I can also, <laughs> I can also, I can also spend time with my kids and my missus and stuff, which I couldn't do. I was on crutches and using a wheelchair and not able to get out and about, and I had to have uh, spinal fusion and all that sort of shit, like screws in my back and that. So it's like a, it's almost like a choice where I got. Yes, I know that this medication is ravaging my body, but it's a choice between doing that and maybe damaging myself with that side of it. But I could also do things that I wasn't able to do previously. And it's just a case of the choices made. And hopefully, hopefully the podcast will do so well <laughs> the one day that I can go to America because I want to try, um, what's called, I forgot on the name of it, where they put the stuff in your, uh, stem cell replacement therapy so basically i've read up like that for my injuries that would be like the last the last sort of hope of being able yeah. to fit them at the moment where they could give me stem cell replacement therapy and that might actually fix the pain and the damage that was done by the misdiagnosis and all that stuff but i got so many things i want to ask you about well, this. Go, no no but like anything. no no i want to keep this for the podcast like, ah, that's wanna... it. yeah 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 yeah, yeah that's I... true yeah let's save it mate. Well, we'll save me i, I don't talk... mean to cut everyone off like no no i think the point people... sorry mate. i was just gonna say i think the point guys was making was how can something which is prescribed by the doctor result in you being in a position where look what I was hinting at just then was if I wanted to, if I went to my doctor and said, I got to, I got to stop taking this type of medication because of the amount I've taken for the length of time that I've taken, there's a good chance that I'd have to go into like a facility to do it. 
because of the amount and how long it's been. So it's weird, isn't it? Like I'm like I I'd have to do that. The amount of like, people, the amount of people, right, who I come across who were originally they had a back injury, a leg injury, nerve that like, you know, bad, bad injuries. And um, they were stopped their prescription or it didn't work anymore. And they're now heroin addicts, you know, all self-medicated to subside for an injury, not through trauma or abuse or, you know, growing up and then turning to, uh, to drugs. This is like injuries. They've been put on some sort of medication and now the medication has stopped and they have no choice but to go and score heroin on the streets. There's so many people. That, that's upsetting, mate. That is. It is upsetting. And the hard work, but they've got no choice to to do it. Um. So, uh, Tracy Lou Hales, welcome, Tracy. Has put a couple of comments in. She Hi, said, Trace. um, she said, um, it's like, uh, forgive me if I pronounce this wrong. Uh, pregabalin. Uh, pregabalin. Pregabalin. I apologise. Uh, so she she says when you come off that, it's really bad. You have seizures and stuff like yeah. this. And I think sometimes that's what people don't realise that. This is medication that is prescribed to you by the doctor for various reasons, but it can also cause a lot of other issues along the way. And I think, I think, like going back to what Gaz was saying, I think he's sort of asking, "How is that possible? Like, how can you go to the doctor and then end?" That's up the government for you. An addiction, mate. But at least at this moment in time, touch wood. Like, imagine we had a imagine my situation, and we had a. Uh, and they suddenly said that, right, there's no NHS. We're privatizing everything. You've got to pay for your medications and everything. How many how many addicts would there be to various medications across the UK? Finished. It would be it would be a proper epidemic, mate, because there's you know sleeping tablets, ADHD medications, um, pain medications, uh, pregabalin, all these different medications that people take day in, day out, and they've all got different side effects if you come off them. But they're all prescribed by the doctor, rightly. In some, you know, in most cases, they're rightly prescribed. But if you take them away from people, you'd have a real, real, real health crisis. Yeah, most definitely. Hundred um, percent. Cheers, Matt. I appreciate that. And um, yeah, um, it's right. So there's a couple of a couple more interesting questions from the peeps. Um, Colin, uh, Kate says, "Has Colin had to move away from the old crowd that he used to mix with?" Uh, so as not being around sort of temptation um yeah yeah i i have um i'll be honest there's not many that i you know i lose sleep over but there are the odd few obviously i still work in that field it's like i've said before on one of my podcasts uh there was one person who once said to me in prison when i was getting out and i said i'm done with this life he said you will never leave the heroin game and i think he's right I think I will never leave the drug game, but I'm staying in it for the right reasons now. So I can still communicate with these people who I used to bother with, but now it's on a professional a professional side. And the most of them have embraced me. The most of them have been proud of me. And, you know, I'm giving them hope. There are the odd two, two or three, or probably more behind my back who are really bitter. But at the end of the day, I've got to look after myself. And yeah, you won't see me, you know, ringing their bell, you know, to go and chill for a cup of tea anymore. But if it's in the right environment, I will, I will still see them, you know, because yes. at the end of the day, I'll never forget who, who I was or where I come from. And 
yeah, I, I miss, I, you know, I love, I love the drama too much. I like to like see him and say, so what's happening then? You know, what's going on? Uh, you know, I, I like to know all that. And, that, and, and that's, I think, the, the strong point I have, or the, you know, the strengths I have in helping others. You know, they, they, yeah. they know I'm not just this washed up guy who's read a book 20 years ago yeah. and now well, there's a hundred other drugs exactly out there. Like, I means. know every drug from Spice now as well, which is out and all these new drugs. Like, I've tried everything, so I'm pretty fresh. I'm pretty, like, ready to go when it, when it comes to But you're to in the that. best position to help someone, mate. Like, so like you say, say you could have someone who, look, not criticising these people who've, who've done all their medical training and all that sort of thing years and years and years ago. And they have, you know, day in, day out, they're trying to help people. I get that, and that's good. Of course it is. Not criticising them. But someone like you has been there, lived it, done it, come through the other side. You are yes. one of the best people to, at, least, at the very least, start I'm one of the best on candidates. I'd yes. say I'm one of the, no, but listen, I must, I must like, like emphasise on it. Um, I was told this by Rondine, who was on my podcast. She's a legend. I, like, And it's true. Just because you was on drugs, it don't mean you're going to be the best drug worker. You still have to know the professional side of things. You still have to know your boundaries. You still have to, you know, do the research that they would do. Mm. But if you combine the both, the, you know, the practical and the, you know, the experience and the theory, if you, if you, if you master both of them, then you will be the best. Because I could go into college or uni and learn the, the, the professional side. But I don't think those people who have gone to college or uni are going to do a year's apprenticeship on being a heroin addict. Do you see what I mean? So yeah, I can yeah. get the best of both worlds by doing that. But you have got to just learn, you know, you have got to learn things as well. I can't just walk into an agency now and go, yo, right, I'm going to start writing strategies to the government to win this bid to get this year. You know, it don't happen. Like, you have to... So I'm learning it and I'm enjoying it, but it's still like a long, a long way off. Yeah, 100%, mate. Um, Tracy says, well done, Colin. I've been clean of heroin for a few years. Uh, I'm on Boovedale now. It's amazing. Keep up the good work. Yeah, excellent. Well done, Tracy. Keep well going. done, Grace. Uh, Titch says, yes, yes. Well, thank you for joining us, mate. Uh, Will says, uh, Colin, you mentioned in the my story, one of your three triggers for turning to heroin was losing your old friend group. Have you had the opportunity to make up with them since? Yeah. Yeah, I have. Um, one of the best things about it as well, like, you know, um, I said on one of the interviews the other day, I, we actually clipped it out because it was about, like, um, coming clean. And one of the biggest fears and um, one of the least expected things I thought would happen would be reconnecting with my old friends. And the people I thought would take the piss, the people who were, like, when I started opening up, like, publicly, the people I thought would take the piss, the people I thought would not give me a time of day, the people I thought would laugh at me, and not speak to me are the ones who have embraced me the most. And that's that's what's helped me massively as well. Now, don't get it twisted. You know, it'll never be the same. Or, you know, it's not like we're going to be best of mates like we were once. Yeah. But, you know, we've we've made amends. And, you know, yeah. we message each other at least once a week, you know. And if I see them out, we go for a pint and, you know, they might, if they're doing something, they might offer me if they want to come and they'll watch the podcast and they'll tell me what they think on this. So we have made up, but it'll never be the same, but you know what? Like, I am so happy that they took me back in and it's not just the ones I fell out with. 
this is just my old friends who I just kind of left. Like the fact they've welcomed me back in, it's good to see the old Cullen back. You know, it, it, it's fuck, it's it's amazing. Like, and well, I count um, myself so lucky. Yeah, I was going to say, mate. Um, Reese's mum, uh, sorry, Lorna, who watches, um, she said something earlier when you were talking. Um, she said about I can't find it. Uh, she said addiction, addiction's awful. It affects the whole family. Um, and I think that's that's it, isn't it? It has a massive effect. Like obviously, when you kind of started to go down that road, it has a, It doesn't just affect you and say your close family. It, it affects the people you've grown up with, your friends, your everything. Everyone is affected by it. And as your story progressed and you went through all this stuff, obviously you lost contact with certain people, but your parents and your close family they go through it with you, don't they? They live it all. Yeah. Um, and look, mate, uh, from what you've said and from people who've come up to me since that episode's come out and said, oh, Colin, top bloke. Do you know, at least I'd say probably a handful of those people who I've seen out and about at football on Saturday uh, with my kids' football, a couple of people come up and spoke to me. And they said not only uh, kind words about you and the episode, also said your dad is like absolute legend, real top bloke. Like, um but like That's he's nice. lived that with you, haven't he? Do you know? Um, and your yeah. mum and your brother and stuff. Like, is that difficult for you sometimes looking back? Like the effect that it's all had on them? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. I know you want to look sad. forward, but it's, it's hard, isn't it? And you can't help but think back. It's, oh, it's I weird. do. I always do. Weird. I always do. You know, I'll never get that time back. Um. But sometimes uh, victory is sweeter when you're fucking 4-0 down, you know? And I, I, I believe, like, you know, the relationship we've got now and the, the way that at peace with things is... Um, you can't write it, like, you know? I wouldn't be doing the work I'm doing. I wouldn't be helping others. I wouldn't be out there trying to share my story if I didn't go through that. I don't think anyone, any of them would change it, but I wouldn't wish it on anyone. And, and you're right, like, uh, they did go through it. A hell of a lot, especially my especially my dad. I think you know my mum and dad equally, but my dad definitely. You know, I you know, I'm his first son, and even my brother. Like my brother, like now I'm clean. My brother's back working. He's back playing sports. I didn't realize how much it affected my brother as well because I just thought he was just being a horrible, selfish kid. Like, and why are you hating on me? Fuck off! Like, but and we used to fight like quite a lot, and. And like I'd be, there'd be times where I'd be in, I'd come home late at night and I'd be in bed and I'd wake up like clucking and he'd come in and fucking batter me like and I can't even defend myself and I'm thinking why are you being a bully like that's bullying but it weren't bullying he was just embarrassed because the people around him would say things about me I seen your brother the other day he was fucked he asked me for fucking a fiver and mm. and like they went through it hard like you know but. And, and 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 it affected him because he ended up being bad on the weed. He didn't work. He'd stay into bed till two o'clock in the afternoon. He he fucking stopped playing for Wigan. And now I look at him and he's a different boy. It's like it's like my mum and dad got us both, you know. And they can live their lives now. They don't have to worry about me. They they can actually grow as old people now and live their lives because I remember like. Do you the feel like their life was on hold, mate? Because it you... was, yeah. The whole way through it, they'd say, like, will you ever change? My my mum my mum said the one time, right? Uh, they, they 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 they've been expecting me 
a knock at the door to say I'm dead. And to be honest, they, they said the one time they're like, we think it would be better if we knew you you did pass up like pass me. She didn't say I wish she was dead. She went, Yeah, sometimes I feel like it's better to know that like it's the worry mess. It's yeah. the worry mess. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And you know, it's fucking it's bad what they go through, you know. The fact that like they go on they you know, they have to go on their normal holidays in the summer, but they they, they can't go unless you know I'm in prison because they don't wanna know that I'm running around the city of Cardiff. I could be in a gutter somewhere. Do you know what I mean? You know, it's a school night and my mum's waking my dad up at half three to drive down the docks to look for their son when my mum's meant to be in work the next morning. These things are fucking, you know, mentally draining. And, and they, you know, to know that me being in prison was when they were at peace. It's not normal. Sad, isn't it? Like, when you think of it like that. Like, the other yeah. thing, mate, as well, it's like I got three teenage boys and, look, touch wood... They're all good as gold. They have their moments because they're teenagers. Teenagers are generally assholes, just to be clear to everyone. But, you know, I'm touch wood. I'm very lucky. But, like, I guess, obviously, it's a different world now for kids to what it was when we grew up and stuff like that. But and like, when we grew up. We yeah, different mate, ages, remember? Yeah, of course. Yeah, you're <laughs> a little bit, a little bit, a little bit younger than me. But, yeah, like, no, no, look, it's, um, it's a different world, isn't it? But, like, I stress if my boys are late and I can't get hold of them, so, like, I cannot imagine them being out, like, all night for, for days at a time. And I knew <coughs> the sort of things they were doing. And that would make, that would drive me into an early grave, I think. Well, the thing that you, what, you, what I, I didn't tell you, the thing I didn't tell you that I told Joe on one before is my mum was, um, she's very, I don't know what the word is, but she's one of them erratic people that, you know, if you went to the beach, yeah. And you put your foot in the fucking water. She thinks a shark's going to get you. She thinks, a, you know, she's really like phobia of things. And she was really protective of me. And she thinks the worst of everything. You know, she's flying abroad. She's taking, you know, beta blockers to slow her heart rate or fucking Valium because she can't fly. She thinks it's going to crash. And yeah. All she's these things, yeah, right, yeah, massive worry. So for her to now have her son who she's been overprotective and worried, like, We'd go camping. All the boys would go camping over the woods in the summer. I weren't allowed to go camping. Like, she wouldn't let me. All the boys would go, you know, I could go on the fair water leisure swimming. You know, if they said we're going to Kogan, I weren't allowed to go. If they wanted to go baddie for the day out, I weren't allowed to go. She just wouldn't let me do these things because she was overprotective. And yeah. if there's one advice I could say to people, it would be, you know, don't be too... Don't be over overprotective with them. Like, it's fine to be protective. I get that a lot. There's nothing wrong with it. But sometimes... They rebel massively, and and the other thing was all my friends used to, you know, their parents would just admit, you know, if they, they knew we were smoking weed, yeah, let you know, their kids let them. My mum and dad, no, like they were probably strict about it, mm. but I'm the only one who ended up going to drugs. It's like as if something in my head, all them yeah, years of being it. tied down, I'm not allowed, I'm not allowed. When I did, yeah. I just got, I didn't mean to, but just when I did have my it. freedom, I just got fell too deep, like so. That's it. What kind of think? correlates with a question made, which Reese asked earlier. Um, he said, uh, also, if you are or you become a parent, what would you do different to ensure that your children, etc., don't end up on the similar path to you, what you took? That's a difficult question, that is. Oh, mate. Do you know why it's difficult? Because I wouldn't ask my mum and dad to change anything that they've done for me. My yeah. mum and dad were my mum and dad were fucking amazing. They're good parents. I don't think people yeah. realise. Maybe when they see it, they might think like, oh, 
they fucking hopeless. But my mum and dad, they give me everything. I think I would just... It's hard as well because times are different, like you said, with the social media Big time and stuff. It's fucking hard. But I think I'd be open, you know, be open and honest. You know, be open and honest from the start about everything. Um, not breathe down their neck too much. And uh, and listen to them. L- listen to them, you know. I can read the signs, I think. I think I'm not as naive as one my my mum and dad might have been. There was times maybe where I I wouldn't even say they were naive. I think they just didn't want to believe it. And I think also, I'm a realist. Man, sorry to interrupt you. I was just going to ask you That's a quick question because something you just said that really hits home with me. I feel like I could spot the signs of certain things with my kids. I feel like because I did it and I've kind of been there and I've been around people who've done it and blah, blah, blah. And same for you. So like, I feel like I'm in a pretty good position to kind of deal with certain yeah. things. Whereas my mum and dad, my mum has never smoked even a cigarette. My dad only tried drugs once, like smoking weed, and I was with me. That's the, so like they had no um, indication, they had no knowledge, they didn't know the smells, they didn't know the signs. There was no like, there was no experience whatsoever there to to pick up on stuff. Whereas I feel like me, you, and probably you know other people who've done similar, even someone who just smoked quite a lot of weed when they were younger. I think you are more equipped in some ways to spot the signs of your teenagers, your kids getting up to certain things. 100%. But like, it is a different world now, mate. And like Richie said there, it's a lot worse these days for youngsters back in our day or his day. He says high school age, you had youth clubs, et cetera, to go to these days. They're literally just all out drinking, carrying knives, et cetera. Is, to be honest, yeah, to be honest, Richie, Richie, I don't even think they're drinking anymore. That's the no. thing, which is the weirdest thing about it all. I don't even think, I don't even see kids anymore drinking the, the Dell and uh, just having a fucking crack with the lads. It's just like, I don't know. The one thing that um, I always used to find striking is when, it, like, there was a moment in time in the last couple of years where we'd have a go at our kids. They're playing their games. They're gaming. They're gaming. They're not up the woods. They're not up the woods. I was up the woods. And, like, and that is true. But you know, now, just a couple of years later, I think it's probably the best thing. Because yeah, these kids I'm out there with these fucking knives. In, mate. Yeah, when you see these kids with these fucking knives they carry them around as if it's normal. Young kids, like mate, the, as well. Not like, you've, got, you've got two yeah. gangs of kids now. The ones who stay in and game and the ones who are fucking dangerous motherfuckers. Yeah. And, and these kids are different. Like, you know, big time, like, mate. it's classic. You know, like you'd say, to, my dad would say, my grandpa would say to my dad, oh, this day, you know, we in our day, it was like that. Then you'd say that to me. And I'd be like, shut the fuck up. But now, yeah. like, I am the old biddy saying these kids are nuts. I don't know if they're getting worse or it's just a different way of life. And that's the thing we've got to fucking try and tackle. But it was only a couple of years ago that I was anti-gaming. I was anti, like, get out yeah. there. And, get and, out and there, yeah, 100%. Get the woods. But now I'm thinking. You want to stay in. Maybe Fortnite, Fortnite ain't a bad idea. Yeah, you know? as long as you, you just got to monitor who that's like, keep an eye on who's contacting them on there as well. But like, it's mad, isn't it? It's like yeah, it's it's just it's a society. Mode, I don't know if it's on accident or purpose, but it's just set up this way that either way they, they're doomed. Enough. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
Right, a couple of uh, I've got some really interesting questions which I want to put to you from the people in the chat um, before we kind of look towards wrapping up, mate. But um, so uh, Leslie put an interesting quote. Well, welcome, Leslie. By the way, mate, good to see you. He said um, he sent in two questions. He said over the over the last few years, people in prison are dying of uh, smoking spice, walking around like zombies in jail. And then he put an, he had put another question before that. He said, "Do you think the smoking weed causes mental issues?" Before you jump in on that, mate, because you've got much more knowledge of that recent times than I have, what I will say about is um, when I was like a teenager and I used to smoke a shitload of weed, we used to smoke soap bar, like a block of weed and burn it. And having like skunk was like a treat. If you could get hold of some skunk, that was a treat. It was super strong, but you very rarely were able to get it. These days, the little I know of it, but like, Everything they get is skunk and super strong, mate. Like stronger than anything. They're like the shittest weed that they would get these days is like the strongest Jeez. weed yeah. that we would have back got in back your in day, day mate, right? But and then uh, to to people who smoke weed, like I got I got no problem with it whatsoever, whatsoever. And if I was like at someone's house and they sparked up a joint, I'd have no issue with it. But I think. For, particularly for teenagers where your brain is still developing and things like that, it's so strong that I do believe if you smoke it like day in, day out, like what I used to do, it would dri- I think it would drive me nuts now if I smoked the amount I did. But you, like with the, the strength of weed that people get these days, it's, um, yeah, mate, it's, it's, it's scary. Like, because I do believe it is causing mental health issues in young people. Because it's just not the smoking the weed necessarily. It's the strength of it. And then when you add in spice, which I've never tried and I wouldn't, but I can see why people, particularly young people, get into that. When you see these stalls at um, festivals and stuff saying legal highs, if you say legal high to someone, they think it's safe. Whereas those legal highs, a lot of them are like, I mean, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, maybe some of them are like... um, they're like chemicals which are used for other stuff, like household products when which have been changed chemically and stuff like that's. But as a teenager, if you see legal high, mate, you think, oh, it was legal, yeah. like it'll be safe. But what do you think about the weed thing and uh, which Leslie asked about, like health and stuff? So I'll go. For, I'll go. I'll, I'll say the weed first and the spice. Yeah. So with the weed, yeah. You're right. Um, I do believe it, it, it causes mental health issues. And I also think in this day and age, yeah, right, you've got to make a decision. You're either a 24-7 weed head or you don't touch weed. Because then people who smoke weed will have to be, they smoke it all the time. If they don't smoke it, they got mental health issues. They end up going crazy. I need a spliff. I need a spliff. Oh, my head's going to go. I can't function without weed. And then the ones who, who just, you know, the ones who do it now and then get anxious anyway. So you've got to be, you can't be in the middle with it no more. It ain't that I just smoke it on a Friday to have a split. It don't happen. I, See, that's it's very rare anyway. Mate, that is. That's also, really true. Because years ago, you'd never have said you could get addicted to smoking weed, would you? Listen, like, I'm telling you now, some of the some of the weeds out there people are withdrawing from. I'm telling you, 100%. It's, it's, it's the, like you said, this like um, uh, this ammo and, you know, this Cali and all this. Listen. Yeah. You used to smoke weed to have giggles and a munchies as the boys. Yeah. You can't even function with the weed these days. You can't even function. My dad used to say all the time, 
you know, I'd say, oh, but with weed, and and it's the same as you. It was like the rock, you know, it was the yeah. the pollen, so far, and yeah. then it started going to commit. You had commercial weed, or you'd have like cheese. That was it, and like. I'd say, yeah, but dad, it's like 98% of people are fine with it. It's only that 1%. And my dad's like, yeah, but you're that 1%. And would you really want to chance that? I don't think it's worth it because weed was a gateway drug for me. One one way or another, it was a gateway drug for me. So, like I said, with the weed, I think yeah, it's probably the one or the other. Mate, you know, I agree I, with that because I wouldn't have done... I wouldn't have done like pills and coke and all the stuff that I went on to later. If I'd never smoked weed, I I don't think I would have ever even considered those things. So yeah, I trust. It's, it's, it's one of them things. But when someone says to you as a teenager, ah, uh, don't smoke weed because it's a gateway to other stuff, you're like, ah, oh, no, fuck that. Yeah, bull bullshit. Like, it's, it's so normalized now, isn't it? It's different, you know? mate. It is different. I think it's so different now to when I was younger. And like Peter Kostovson, welcome, Peter. I used to go to school with him, mate. Um, so he knows exactly what I was like. Like, he says, worrying times for the next generation. And like, do you know what, mate? I worry loads about my kids, but they're also three, I've got three teenage boys. So they're almost like, they're almost through it. Like the older ones started working. I It is sad, right? But I almost want to get them all to, yeah. to work in. You don't want them to enjoy their fucking teenage lives. You want to try and rush them to adulthood. Because it's so dangerous, things. like in so many sad. different ways though, isn't it? Sad, sad. Um, so Leslie asked about the spice. He said another two right. people have died in Durham jail this right. week. Right. So I I was in jail um when Spice first came out 2012, Stokey, when they were throwing JD bags over. And at the time they were calling it fish food because it was fish tranquilizer. So the stuff they give caps when they're traveling countries, they'd feed them the the fish, the tranquilizer, and they'd sleep traveling long distances. Now, before Spice, right, it was legal highs, like you said, and you had the likes of salvia in Blue Banana, and you get, like, times 10, times 20, times 30, times... And that was, like, the original, like, type of Spice, you know? And mm. that was bad anyway. If you looked online, you'd see some bad people tripping out on that type of stuff. So <clears throat> when it became um, massive in prison was because, obviously, the smallest amount would get you really, really high. Yeah. Also... Um, it don't show up in drug tests. That well, that's what it was at the time. I think they're trying to get like things that you know, uh, yeah, try yeah. and identify it. But the worrying thing about spice is every batch is different. So you might have a drug test for spice. We've got a test for spice now. We can find out what it is. Yeah, but only for that one strain because the next one's going to be totally different. Now, I, I said about my uncle who was on drugs in my story. And he went to prison. You can search him up online. He went to prison for um, intent to supply HMP Park Prison. He was uh, with a fishing rod. He was uh, guiding uh, parcels over the wall with a fishing rod. <laughs> and um, basically what happened was um, there was spice in there, uh, like ounces of spice in the parcels. And when they went and got that tested, it came back as battery acid, Drain cleaner was a battery acid drain cleaner. Um, there was one other component and cockroach killer. There was four Jesus. components and three of them were them. Now, when people say, um, did you know nuclear? Uh, uh, the only thing that'll survive in a nuclear bomb is a cockroach. 
Yeah, that's what they say, yeah? If, if a nuclear bomb happened, the only thing that would survive would be a cockroach. So if you're smoking something that kills cockroaches, what the fuck is it doing to you? Jesus Christ. And man, this is, is like, I've seen the papers. Like, this is what was in, I was in prison when he was in prison. And when the toxicology report came back, that was what was in the drug. Now, people are dying left, right and centre. In uh, Bristol, there's, there's ambulances waiting on standby outside the prison. Um, and obviously you had the spice screen, which was called Black Mamba. And they call the ambulances Mambulances because there's so many of them all yes. coming in and out. I've, I've um, witnessed uh, three, uh, two or three. I don't know about the third one, so I don't know if he died, but he went to hospital. But I know two people who died when I was in jail over spice sprawled out on the landing. I told you about the one who was smoking spice when I was two up with him. And mm. I was lying in the bed and I said, he was a known spice user. And I said, listen... You're not smoking no spice in here with me, mate. Like, I don't I don't agree with the drug. I mean, you're trying to get sorted. You're not smoking spice in here. And he agreed to me. Yeah, okay, no worries. We were tuned up on the bed. The one day I was bottom bunk, he was top bunk. I'm lying. And it is, it's um, daytime. It was split social. So mm. the other half of the, the, the wing was on association. We were banged up. It was like a Sunday. We're on our beds chilling. I can hear, like, shaking. The, the, the bunk bed shaking. I'm thinking... This guy ain't having a wank in broad daylight, is he? I was like, I ignored him. He carried on. I went, nah, he's taking a piss. I got up. I thought he was having a wank. So I got up. I said, you cheeky cunt. He's there. His arms are locked. His arms are locked like that, yeah? His tongue, he was choking on his tongue. His legs were locked. Everything. Just spat out. I put him in like a recovery position. He's got his tongue out. I rung the bell and just got him out of the cell. But he, he had to go hospital. And that's what he was. And he said to me, because when he come round, I said, What the fuck was you doing? Like, how did you even roll a spliff? And he went, In pet, in this is how like small a bit of spice can um, kill you. In jail now, they ban smoking, yeah? So there's no Rizzlers, there's no nothing. Everyone's on e cigarettes, yeah? They're on e pens. Now, the mm. e pens they give you are logic pros. So you, what they do is these are geek bars, yeah? These are just plastic. You unwrap them. Puff them. But the Logic Pros are the ones where you put the oil caps in there and you un unscrew them. So right, when you yeah. unscrew them, yeah, you can get the element out of a e-pen, yeah? And you can you can get a piece of paper with the element and burn it, yeah? You can burn it. Mm. So that's how people were using lights and that. So what they were doing was, right, when the last time when that kid died, what happened was, what they do is, right, so they are, people are bringing spice in paper. What they do is they'll have the fluid of spice. They'll soak it on the paper and then write a letter and send it into you, yeah? So the paper, your letters come on, is spice. And then yeah. what they do is, that's about the size of an ID card. See that there? It'll come yeah. on A4 sheets, yeah? And then, see, there's your prison card. What they do is they put that on the paper and then they cut around it. And that's £50 there for a sheet of, uh, a sheet of spice. And then see, right, so see that there, yeah, about, oh, I fucked it. So see that there? Yeah. yeah. That much? That's Jesus. a spliff. That's a spliff of, of, and that's, so you'll get loads off that. And what they would do is, they get a bit of the spice, they put it on the element there, look. So, so it's on the top there. They press mm -hmm. the button and it suck it. 
And that's how they were smoking spice in jail, yeah? Unless you managed to bring burning up your ass before you came in or something, that's how they're smoking spice. So when I'm thinking, this kid's fucking... How was he managed to smoke spice in the cell? All he's done is gone... And just fucking gone out and fucking whizzed out on me, like, you know? But um, spice is dangerous. Um, it's a fucking horrible drug. I've tried it myself. I tried it in 2012, 2013, when I was in Stokey. It was Christmas Day, and uh, there was a guy called Scout. Well, he was called Macca. He was a Scouser. They're all called mm. Macca. Uh, mm -hmm. He um, <laughs> he went, what's going on, lad? What are you saying, Taffy? You are Merry Christmas. And he gave. It was when we could smoke burns before mm -hmm. the band came in, and he gave me a rolly in it on the wing, like in it on association. I had a puff of it. I thought nothing of it. He was giving me a burn for Christmas Day, like his burns massive in there. Straight away, I just felt fucking weird. Next thing you know, I think everyone wants to kill me in my head. I've had to go up up there, you get your own door key. I have to bang my door. I spent Christmas Day banged up on my own like a weirdo. And I think, for me, spice is all the bad effects of weed. So, you know, if you get, like, I get paranoid, you said you. Yeah. That's all spices. And then the people who oh, are really mate, addicted to spice so. will tell you, they'll say, this is the answer every time. These people who are addicted to spice, I say to them, listen... It's fucking disgusting. It makes you paranoid. It's horrible. They, do you know what they say every time? Yeah, you got to get past that stage. And then when you get used to it, it's amazing. Why the fuck would I want to mm. get past being paranoid? Yeah. Well, i got to smoke you for four days. Jesus Christ. You're paranoid Christ, for four unbelievable, days. Unbelievable. Enjoy your face. But then that's Scary what times, do. And this, Crazy. yeah, uh, it's frightening. So this... Kind of three questions which I've just picked out now because we've got a few which I want to do to finish because uh, you need to sort of wrap us up. Um, so the first one is um, Gaz said, Can you tell us a bit about what you do on a daily basis? Yeah, um, uh, I, I'll explain them, I'll explain a Monday to Sunday. So I now work for Kaleidoscope, um, I'm spearheading something called Voices Action Change with Recovery Cymru. And uh, basically, it's all about service user involvement. So on a daily basis, on a Monday, I come into work on a Zoom, meet up with a gang. What's our, what's our, what's our week's plan, you know? Normally, we have monthly topics. Um, and it's all basically, in a nutshell, we're trying to get people who are in services or who used to be in services, trying to train them up to become peers, uh, running groups. And we're also going to the services, trying to make them have more making them have more service user involvement. So we want service users to have more of a say in, for example, what days they close, who their support work is going to be, what colour is the fucking wall of the building, because believe it or not, fucking pink might trigger someone. It's just letting them have more of a say in the places they are going to pick up their methadone and stuff like that. Um but in that as well, we run events, you know, um, we, we get people sitting on interview on interview room. Um, so we've trained all six or seven peers up so far. Five yeah. of them are actually in active treatment. Two of them were family members of someone who was uh, a service user. Um, we've got people who are sitting on interviews. Uh, there was a, I think there was an interview for one of the services not long ago. And one of the peers sat on the board because really and truly these people who know what's right for them should be able to see on an interview, I don't think this person is going to be good for the job, you know? So that's what we're doing. Um, I go around all the services, uh, around Cardiff and the Vale, and 
touch base and try and get them to have more of an involvement. We do a monthly audit. We, we, we choose a different service every month to do an audit where we go in and we, you know, have you got a charter on the wall? Do you have this plan for a, for one of your providers? And, and, and it's fun. Like, you know, I love it. It's surreal, but I love it. And I do that on a, on a three days of the week. And then the other two days, I'm in Kaleidoscope in um, clinical outreach, which is methadone dispensing. So I'm actually witnessing the other side of the table. So where I used to go and pick up my methadone, I'm now helping dispense it. Um, Full circle, I'm mate. doing drug testings. I'm doing the, you know, their, um, their OBS, you know, to check yeah, their yeah. blood tests and that before they go in to get new treatment. And it, I fucking love it. I love it. You know, it's it's amazing. And then obviously it's on a Friday, fulfilling, mate. Really does. it is fulfilling. It's rewarding. And I would love to eventually, you know, be high up in this. This is the career I want to pursue in that in that place. And then on the weekends, it's it's Central Club. You know, it's the podcast. Um, on a Sunday, we film. On a Saturday, if I maybe on a Friday, if I come home and I get all my interviews and all my scripts and everything sorted, I might on a Saturday I'll go down the rugby club to watch Fairwater play. I might have a pint, but I don't drink that much anymore. But if if I'm not doing that, I'm spending time with the missus. And then Sunday is Central Club. Obviously, in the in the nights anyway, I'm Central Club all the way anyway. But Monday to Friday is Kaleidoscope. Twenty four seven is Central Club, really. Yeah. You know. It's, um, it's a 24-hour job, as you know, Simon. You know, if, oh, yeah. if someone messaged me at three in the morning, I've seen your podcast, I'd love to come on. I'm going to answer it if they fit the bill, like, you know. So yeah, yeah. that's what I do now, like, and I, I'm keeping myself busy. In between that as well, you know, as you can imagine, my social media is popping. People want advice, family members, friends, um, ex-users. Um, I, I, I'm helping as many people as I can. I have had a bit of a... Um, a step back on certain things because when I first got clean and I first opened up, I was answering to everyone at all times of the night, and I've had to like kind of, you know, yeah, it's, uh, limit it, which is understandable. Time to yourself as well, just hundred percent. Keep your head straight. But yeah, that's that's what I do. You know, I I would love eventually for the Central Club and my work with Kaleidoscope, they do work hand in hand anyway. But eventually, I would love that to become something else and yeah. Uh, yeah we got a homeless feed like so with the central club this is working with kaleidoscope now because on the 10th of december as you know Simon, like i said if um, anyone wants to help donate we're doing a homeless feed but obviously we're donating clothes and whatever else we can give them we're doing that in the city center of cardiff i'll buy uh, the jjb by live lounge the old jjb on the 10th of december um, we're, and also, if any of you want to get involved, I don't know if you want to contact Simon yeah, for that, yeah, yeah. but we're doing a PS5 raffle right now, and the winner will be announced on the 8th, and the, the profit is going to the homeless feed as well. So, like, we're all trying to do a, a big thing for that on the 10th, because as you know, Simon, it's fucking freezing out there at the moment, oh, yeah. and I'm, a lot of them people on the streets, I've actually shared fucking blankets with myself. So, you know, now I'm here, I, I always wanted to do it, I always wanted to do a London in it, you know, a Christmas Eve in London to the homeless, but I'd rather do my own city, you know? Yeah, I'd rather go and feed my people. And Yeah, yeah. if people want to um, get in the PS5 raffle, um, you can contact me or, like I say, uh, Cullen and the Central Club links, they're all in the description below. So yeah. you can contact, get involved in that. Obviously, the money goes to helping the homeless, mate. I can't yeah, think of so a better, before better, anyone, better Before anyone goes thing. on and says, like, what is it? So basically... 
um, we're doing a raffle for a raffle company, and they said if you can help promote it on yours, we'll give you a cut. And our cut is going straight to a homeless feed. We're not making anything off it. We're trying to do a good thing. We're trying to help someone get a PS5, and mainly we're trying to feed the homeless. Wicked. Uh, I cannot fault you whatsoever. I want to finish um, on this. Uh, Peter Christofferson says, um, what would your advice be to younger generation to not uh, to not do drugs, spice, knife crime, etc., knowing how we were all back in the day at not taking advice from parents or family and also trying to fit in and be, you know, be with the cool kids, etc. What's your advice to that? It's tough it's and it's very it's tough, it's hypocritical, and it's 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 not being real in it because we all know that like as much as you say kids don't do drugs, it's like it's fucking not going to happen, but this is what I'm trying to do in my way, is just try and shout from the rooftops and show people the end product with some people. Um, isn't it funny how all, all that ever gets projected on the news is bad things? Yeah, negativity. Still don't paranoia. fucking listen. Yeah, fear. Fear, yeah. fear, fear, mate, all the time. Yeah, I, but, but it's like it's still happening, though. Like You think if it was that much of a bad thing, people would stop as well, and... Yeah. I don't know. I I just think I think the the best thing talking is, to him is the best thing, mate. I think yeah, it's the, yeah. the old, that but, is the best like, thing, you know. Do you know the thing which I've got to learn, mate, as a parent is talking to your kids about stuff that you don't want them to do and the choices you want them to make. It's about it is about talking to them, but it's also about listening to them. And what I do too much is I talk at my kids instead of yeah having a conversation and actually listening to, especially like the oldest one. Like listening to maybe what they're, you know, what they're doing. You know, what is the situation like for them at the moment? What's it like in school? Like, how is what's the groups of people like? Because I don't, what I think the high school is like, it's not like that no more. Yeah. Like, yeah. because, and I have to, I, Time's I changed. So, like, mate, I was in high school 20 years ago, longer than that, 25, 30 years ago. Jesus. 20, 25, 25 <laughs> years ago. But that's a long time, mate. Things change. And like, as much as I think I know the score on certain things, high school is different now to what it was when we were there. Well, when I was there and certainly when I was there, probably from when you were there. And so I think talking is the answer, the best answer that we can give yeah. to Peter's question. Um, also, yeah, before I do, go on, go on, go on. common ground and relatability as well. So I, I, I've spoken in a few unis and I've done a, one of the rugby clubs as well, one of the local rugby clubs. I went and spoke to some of the younger people. And I think just, I, I, like, I tell you, there's a wicked, but Root, he shoots himself in the foot. Darren G. Now, Darren G's been there and done it, but now he's trying to change. But he shoots himself in the foot because he contradicts himself a lot. Yeah. Now, what I try and do is I try and let him know, you know, pe these kids, most of the time, when they, when they get being spoken to by a peer, they just think the guy's a divvy. He haven't got a clue. But if you try and relate to him and show him, listen, I've been there, done that, you know, well, you, well, I know that song. Or if you relate to him as much as you can and then tell him what's, where you're going wrong, I always find that's the best way to go about things. Relatability and common ground. That's the best way. Mate. 100%. And I'm going to finish on this. I said that about three times now, but well, we're going to finish on this. Richie says past addicts going to talk in schools and stuff like that. And I know a lot of um, high profile uh, podcasters and, and broadcasters who have been battling addiction do do that. Is that something which you'd be willing to do? Like go into a high school and speak oh, to kids? 
Listen, if any, listen, if there's anyone out there watching this or anyone sees this, right, contact me on, for any of that stuff. If it, if it helps other people, I'm all, I'm all for it. I'm trying to get into the prisons now. I've got to go through another enhanced DBS check, which is crazy because, you know, I've seen a lot of people with worse crimes speaking in. But, you know, I've done the rugby club. I've done one or two rugby clubs. I've done the unis. And I'm going to keep doing them. And if there's anyone out there, I, like, I would, that, that would be my dream job. Talking is the best thing I think for me. Yeah, great stuff, mate. Um, loads of nice comments, mate. Um, Gaz, incredible oh. show, great duo. I, I appreciate that, mate. I'm sure you'll see us together again it's in the pipeline soon, yeah, kids. Mate. Uh, <laughs> Leslie says, Leslie came in a bit late in the show and he says, I've not yet been here long, but I've learned a lot. Um, cheers, Leslie. Kate, Kate says, uh, Good vibe tonight, excellent stuff, Richie. Cheers, brilliant. Kate. Um, yeah, it's just lots of nice people saying nice things. Uh, and Reese, to finish on, says, uh, Brilliant show tonight, gents. Been a pleasure hearing your story, Cullen. Stay strong, stay clean, stay safe, everyone. See and you stay guys central. <laughs> and stay central, indeed. Hey, so, listen, guys, I don't, I'm sorry, I'm going to plug you, but guys, listen, um, if you did like this and uh, you want to hear more, I'd really appreciate if you get over on Sundays, 8 p.m. Uh, we do have uh, an Sorry. episode every Crashes week. with the fight show, mate. <laughs> I know it does, don't it? Yeah. yeah, we'll have to sort that out. We'll but no, check out, out the, yeah. the Central Club episode, actually, from yesterday. I've seen, I've watched about half of it, and it's a really, really good one. So, uh, yeah, I definitely yeah, urge no, people to you. check that well, out. Well, listen, that James Lee one was the best one. Fucking terrible. Awesome, like, mate. what happened to him was bad, but... Yeah, I won't. I won't say much more on that. But listen, I think I think we should do this again whenever you want. And um, I, if you ever need anything, sign my me, mate. I appreciate that massively, mate. And we'll, we'll be speaking daily anyway, mate. Yeah, we of course, do. we do anyway. Yeah. But um, I've got a new episode of my story Wednesday with our, our boxing pundit Ben Doherty, and uh, you, I think people will be surprised to see uh, to hear Ben's story, like because he's. Quite, you know, he's he's pretty well spoken. He's got himself together. Got some incredible stories related to boxing, but he's also had his own battles um, with addiction and things like that. So I think, um, people, that. yeah, it's a it's a really interesting one. And obviously, for a lot of the guys who watch my shows regularly, like he comes on the Sunday show and he's our boxing guy. Um, so like it's a, he's open. He opens up. Nice to see the other story, side. Mate. Yeah, mate. Yeah. And he's got a he's like you know similar to you. He's got a very interesting story. Loads of uh, interesting stuff. Um, guys, this, links to the Central Club are below in the description. Links to Cullen's social media in the description. Links to all my stuff in the description. Most importantly, subscribe to Ace Podcast Nation. Subscribe to Cullen Mace. Subscribe to the Central Club. And um, you will see us both together again, I've got no doubt. Um, so, new episode Wednesday of my story. Friday, Ro Rodri Gig Show. Sunday, Fight Show. And... Central Club. <laughs> then Monday, we got. Oh, I got one for you. You might like that. Mate. This Sunday, Benji, Grime MC. Yeah, you know, I like that one, mate. Oh, yeah, I'll definitely, I'll be watching that. Hundred percent, mate. But um, yeah, cheers, guys. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll also be live next Monday with Ben after his my story. So uh, make sure you watch it Wednesday so you can keep up on Monday. Nice one, guys. Appreciate the time. Thanks, guys. Good night. This I out of what I want when I want and how I want it. Leave you with the one in the air. That's how I'm I got some soul on my true collective ball. Famous, famous, famous number one.
Lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.